0: and welcome again to objective foundations i'm your host kudwi k-u-d-w-i where we break down complex philosophical ideas for the average understanding of humans all right Welcome to a brand new episode of Objective Foundations hosted by Cutaway. This is episode three. And in episode three, we're going to talk about a situation that has been recently blowing up on CC- social media, CC- social media, um, specifically the Brandon Bernard situation um, and a lot of the social media outrage about the uh, sentencing. Of brandon bernard to death row um there is a lot of uh concepts and essentials that we would have to discuss about this particular topic and that's why it's going to be broken up in different segments so um let's just get right into it i guess in this episode we're going to be discussing if there is a moral defense for the institutionalization of the death penalty and if so what are the means of properly institutionalizing it And what are the means of justifying putting someone on death row? Also, we're going to go over concepts such as objective law, which will increase the probability of having certainty in the courtroom when convicting somebody of a crime. And lastly, we would have to go over the proper method that which is needed in order to justifiably convict somebody for death row. So for the people who have paid no attention to it or just are simply unaware of what's going on with the Brandon Bernard situation. I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it as so. On, on on December 10th, 2020, Brandon Bernard, an African-American male, was executed after being put on death penalty for a crime that happened in June, 1999. Now, the crime for those who are unaware, um, in essence, um, there were two um, victims in the trunk of the car while the car was doused in gasoline. Um, Each of them was shot in the head, one being dead and one being unconscious from the bullet wound, and then the car was set on fire while the unconscious victim was still alive. This man has been waiting uh, 20 years just to be executed, and since his execution, there has been a lot of controversial Uh, Takes on this from big names Uh, I'll quote this one Uh, Today will be Brandon Bernard's last No matter what crime a person has committed The act of taking a healthy Breathing conscious aware being Strapping him down and Snuffing out his life with a Lethal injection is a Stain on us all we must learn To be better than this Sister Helen Pregen I'll quote another one from Angela Moore Which uh, she was a former federal prosecutor Who defended Brandon's death since on direct appeal, and she says uh, it would be morally, ethically, and legally wrong to execute him. Well, if it's morally and ethically wrong, we would have to go just a little bit into the realm of morals and ethics to see if it isn't or is justifiable to put somebody and execute them on death row. Firstly, I'm going to be speaking from a perspective that morals are objective. If you want to hear my take on objective morality, I suggest for you to stop and pause this video to go watch the second episode of me responding to Cosmic Skeptic on moral subjectivity. To keep objective morality so simple, I'm just going to state this. Morality is a code of values to follow. The standard of values is one's life. So that means you ought to engage in the actions that promote life and stay away from the actions that harms life. Now, what I just said is important because now we're going to go uh, dive into the realm of individual rights. Um, I'm not going to go into it too deeply because I'm going to harp um, and keep the core of the video centered around the death penalty, objective law, and certainty. Rights are a moral principle defining and sanctioning a man's freedom of action in a social context. They They can also be stated to be the social recognition of man's metaphysical nature for survival. The purpose of the implementation of individual rights is to subject man to moral law when interacting with other individuals. These rights are life, liberty, and private property. Yes, I disagree with John Locke in Happiness. Anyways, if you deprive another being of one of these rights, you forfeit your rights, which justifies the government to come in and take you away from civilization. They can throw you in handcuffs. They can throw you in the cop car. They can throw you in a jail cell. These things are justified because you do not have rights. Now, the way that the government is justified in using retaliatory force against those who have initiated its use is delegating the right to use retaliatory force now at this point everything collapses on itself in the sense that if you choose to live you ought to adhere to the proper recognition of individual rights if you choose to adhere to the proper recognition of individual rights and you want those protected you ought to uh, consent or delegate the right to retaliatory force to the government If not, then rights are a meaningless concept if they're not enforced by a central objective government. And when I say objective government, I mean the implementation of objective law. And in another context, uh, Rand said, The non-objective is that which is dependent only on the individual subject, not on any standard of outside reality. What she means by that is if we're coming to a concept, right? What determines that concept to be the concept and the standard of being that concept is existence. It is external factors. It does not depend on our consciousness. It depends on existence itself. And essentially objective law and its purpose is to recognize what is force and what is not. And if somebody has engaged in a criminal offense, right, then it is up to the government and and the judges uh, use of the objective law to implement justice there's differing degrees of criminality, right? So first, you have the first level that which isn't a criminal offense is immorality. So somebody operating immorally, right? Then you have civil offenses, which is just basic criminal offenses, and then capital offenses. So for an example of each, immorality would be acting contrary to the moral principles like volitionally choosing to harm life rather than promoting life. Then civil offenses are like not getting off of your uh, neighbor's lawn when he asked you to or stealing a, a Snickers bar. Criminal offenses would be, you know, doing an armed robbery, um, you know, infringing on the right to liberty and private property and et cetera. Um, and then capital offenses would be just uh, premeditated murder. So these are differing degrees of the initiation of force, which warrants differing degrees of the use of retaliatory force. You wouldn't punish a person that just blown up a bank by slapping him on the hand and the only way to have the proper usage of retaliatory force and justice is through the means of having objective law. Now, what would be the value in objective law if there's no proper methodology in order to convict somebody? What I mean by that is that laws, yes, they can be properly defined and objective, but it it serves no use if, if the methodology of convicting somebody is arbitrary and whimsical. An example of an arbitrary and whimsical case is the OJ trial. When convicting someone, you ought to use epistemological rights. Epistemological rights hold the same principles such as political rights. And i give you an example. Political rights, it is right for you to engage in voluntary transaction. It is, it is right for you to produce things and sell things. Same thing as moral rights. It is right for you to engage in actions that promote your life. Epistemological rights denotes to having the proper epistemology and concept formation, in proof, in reason, in logic. Now, tying this back into the OJ case, uh, during the first police inspection of the area, they did not find the uh, blood stain. Now, once they did find it, um, the court argued. Isn't it possible for that blood stain to be there and it was planted there by somebody else? Now, there's multiple other examples um, by principle that happened the exact same way, but in differing context. Um, But what I'm getting at is that this is not an epistemological right. The reason being is because it switches the burden. The detectives would have to find what is not instead of what is. So in essence, this is just a classic example of detaching ideas from reality. Detaching ideas and epistemology and being totally devoid of evidence and reason. And to sway away with that, you would have to go through the proper process of validation, which validation in essence is, man must ground his knowledge on the direct evidence of the senses and then derive all of his conceptual conclusions from the initial sensory evidence guided by a process of logic. And to know when you're certain of something is when all of the available evidence in a given context of knowledge leads to that one conclusion and no evidence suggests even a possibility of an alternative conclusion. And once again, this is through the process of validation. And the standard of validating something is the use of logic. And since logic is man's standard of arriving at knowledge, no idea put forth in the absence of logical backing is deserving of any consideration or attention at all. Meaning, going back to the OJ trial, if people complain that, oh, this is possible that it can happen, well, where is the credentials? Where's your proof? Where is the evidence? Nobody has an epistemological right to make an arbitrary claim devoid of reason and devoid of evidence. Now, to summarize this whole entire video, the implementation of the death penalty is justified on moral grounds. The use of the death penalty within itself is not justified morally. The only way to justify that morally is through the proper implementation of objective law and the proper methodology that is used in court to convict someone. That is Cudwee on episode three. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and learned something new. And peace out.